Hi, this is Joe Whittemore, author of Supergirl, Age of Atlantis, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 125 of Chasing Dreams. Guys, it is halfway through January, if you're listening live, and that means a month is almost done. You realize that? That's, that's a month is almost done. I am ahead of my goals, and this episode is sponsored by the patrons of Patreon. So thank you guys so much for your support. If you guys want to help support the show and our mission and movement to kind of create a better, more positive world with more dream chasers, check it out over at chasingdreamshq.com slash Patreon. You can get more answers there. We also have some reward tiers and we're starting a new show. First episode, I think, comes out the 1st of February called Where Are They Now? Where we interview past guests from the show and kind of catch up and see how are things going. Sometimes great, sometimes not always great, but you know, in all honesty, it's always going to be a chase, ups and downs, and you got to take the good with the bad. So not a bad thing, but exciting to catch up with people we've talked to before. Hopefully you'll hear from them. So you can find those reward tiers over on Patreon. Check that out. And for new listeners, if you guys didn't know, we are actually available in multiple places now. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. We are now also on Spotify and iHeartRadio. So this little podcast that could is slowly growing up, which is kind of exciting in 2018. As you know, we are trying new things. We're moving forward. And, you know, one of that is to bring cool guests for you guys. And today's guest is no different. People who I think you will appreciate. And so I discovered this guest while I was actually reading, which is, yes, I do read. So no jokes about that. I don't just watch TV, although TV plays a part in it because what I was reading was a novelization of one of my favorite shows, Supergirl on CW. And I was reading this book. It was Age of Atlantis. And I'm like flipping through and I'm like, man, this is really accurate and very close to the show. I mean, very close to the show. I was very impressed. And I finished the book and I was like, who is this author? Because I do love novelizations of TV shows and movies. I, I'm a big fan of those. Um, you know, Max Allen Collins. Uh, there are so many others I can't come to mind right now, but I looked her up and it was like, Joe Whittemore, who is that? Never heard of her before. Let me look it up. And she's a children's writer. Well, she's a writer, but she also writes children's books. And she had so many others. And I was like, okay, let me reach out to her. Let me see if she'd be willing to talk. And guys, she is just as nice as I was hoping. And so she's on the show today, Joe Whittemore. She's the author of numerous middle grade humor and fantasy novels. She's a member of the SCBWI, the Society of Book Writers and Illustrators, and is a part of the Texas Sweethearts and Scoundrels. She writes from her secret lair in Austin, Texas, 
which she shares with her husband, which is really nice of her, given that it's a secret lair and she's just given the secret away. So hopefully he's in on it. And she's taking a few moments from her writing to come onto the show today. And we are so grateful. Joe, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. You're so sweet to say all those nice things. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, it's when you read a book, it kind of takes you away to this place, right? I mean, it does for me, at least. And so right. when, I, when I was reading your novelization, I'm like imagining the characters actually acting this out. And I'm, I don't want to give spoilers away. You guys should read. It's, it's fundamental. Uh, yes, you, know, you should. See? And I'm like imagining these fight scenes and things. And I'm like, did, she, did you practice those out? Did you like have your husband act out? Hey, go be Jimmy. Go be the guardian. And try this. I actually had him, yes, but practice. Um, not so much for that first book because the first book involves a lot of um, aerial acrobatic type stuff, and neither of us have the ability to fly yet. <laughs> one of these days, one of these days, every year I wish for it for my birthday. So one of these days it'll happen. But yes, so for book two, which hasn't come out yet, it will be coming out in May, but he did actually help me with some of the fight choreography um, between Alex and someone won't say who um um it's not anybody known yet that you like you won't find out until the book so that's book two don't want to spoil it um but um there's actually a video of it i believe still posted on my instagram so if people go through the instagram history they can see that video of the of the fight choreography and 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 you guys can find her on social on the show notes so you, you can check it out yeah and when you're, you're speaking about how you could actually see it playing out in your mind, that's actually how, when I was writing it, I would close my eyes and I would picture the characters and I would think of them going through those motions and saying those lines. And I was like, would Wynn actually say that? Would Kara actually say that? And so I would, you know, think it through as an actual show while I was writing. Now, it might be a dumb question. Are you a fan of the show? Have you been watching since season one? Oh, yes. I'm a fan of the show. I, I, the, the writing is just, it's so well done. I mean, the characters and the acting is so well done. The actors do wonderful things with the scripts that they get. And you really do get these really complex characters out of the show. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's really come a long way. You know, not to make the show about Supergirl, guys. We'll, we'll talk about everything else. But for, to go from season one to season two, it's a new area, new uh, network and whatnot it's still been consistent. I think it's been growing even in season three. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, and I, I do like how they work in, you know, some of the change with they, you know, in the second season, the DEO office just happens to be downtown, you know, yes. versus being out in the middle of nowhere in the desert. So, yeah. And, and they make it believable. Now this, yeah. this is just one thing you have going on though. And, and we talked about it off the air, how you have your hand in so many things. You actually, have over, I think it's over 10 books written. I do. I, I believe this is my, uh, Supergirl Age of Atlantis was my 15th book. 15 books. Yeah. That's okay. We got to rewind it for the peoples. Have you always wanted to be a writer? Um, I've always written. I, I never, honestly, when I was younger, I didn't see it as a dream for normal people. I didn't mm-hmm. see it as like a, a career option because I thought, you know, you always keep these, Rarely you would have these, you know, book fairs where you would actually get to meet the authors, but they were always just, you know, photos on the back of books. And so you would think that they were these super secret society. 
And I, and when I was, so when I was a kid, um, I enjoyed writing and I wrote little stories and, you know, give them to my parents as gifts. I'm sure they love that instead of actual items. You're welcome, mom and dad. That's a great um, idea. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't realize I could be a writer and actually get published until I, you know, got into my 20s. So one of the things out there is uh, a lovely thing called fan fiction. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of people get their, you know, practice in with that. Did you do something like that? Did you do poetry? Did you kind of just write for yourself? Um, actually, as soon as I realized I could pick, so I went to an event at a Barnes & Noble in Austin back, like in, I don't know if it was 2001. And one of my favorite fantasy authors, Terry Brooks, was speaking. And he was talking about how when he started writing, he would practice law during the day and he would write at night. And then, you know, people were asking questions about his process and stuff. And then I asked him a question and he started to answer, you know, and he, pro- he stopped himself. And he's like, I'm talking to you like you're one of my writing students. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like one of your students, I could be a writer. You know, it was just it. So it was one of those aha epiphany moments for me. So putting, you know, an age to myself back in my day, back in, you know, the good old days, <laughs> they didn't have things like fan fiction and stuff and Wattpad that you could use where you could put in your stories and share them with the world. It was kind of like, you're typing them up on your you know, computer and then you're pretty much just going to share them with people around you or, you know, email them. But again, email was also still a fairly good email was a fairly new thing because it was like 2001. So you discover this, this ability, you're, you're using it and then you, you realize, Hey, I could do it. Was there, aside from Terry Brooks and his advice, was there a way for you to kind of figure out what the steps are? Cause sometimes, you know, with doctors, it's you go to school, you go to med school, you do the yeah, you know. And um, there's actually a publication that comes out every year, uh, and then they make an adult version as well. But it's uh, the Children's Writers and Illustrators Market, and I believe it's uh, Writers Digest that puts that out. But basically, um, I happen to be walking again. Barnes- I keep plugging Barnes and Noble. I swear <laughs> there are other bookstores out there, people. So don't feel. Don't feel like you must go there to become a, a, a writer. But I was at a Barnes and Noble, and they have that you know that bargain books in the front of the store. Yeah, and they had a copy of the children's writers and illustrators market from the previous year, from 2000. And I'm thumbing through this, and there's all kinds of awesome advice on how to write stories and how to pitch your stories. And then in the very back, um, and it's just still the case with the children's writers and illustrators market. In the back of the book, there's actually a reference section that talks about uh, agents and editors and writing conferences you can go to and magazines that accept submissions and sometimes even greeting card companies that are looking for artists, all these awesome resources. And so I was kind of hooked and I read that book cover to cover. And then the internet started coming, you know, getting a little bit better around 2002, 2003. So I started Googling, or I guess probably at the time, Ask Jeeves-ing or AOLing. Way to bring that back. I know, <laughs> um, and searching for things and, and learning that way. And so, and there was a lot of, it was a, a lot of self-teaching and a lot of early mistakes, but I mean, that's how you learn and that's how it sticks with you. But I got to ask, I mean, cause it's so, it's still something new for you. Were you ever nervous? Did you ever have doubts about going down that path? I didn't at the time because 
one of the cool things about trying something that you've never tried before and that you aren't sharing with anybody is you don't know that you can fail. Hmm. Right. That's and great perspective. So, uh, and, and, and like you see it with little, with, with infants and with toddlers, right? They will try, they will do adventurous, dangerous things that they don't realize shouldn't be done because there's nobody you know, until like, you know, unless the parent catches them, but until someone says something, they don't realize they can't do it. And oh. so when I started off, it, it wasn't something that I was ever, you know, there was no risk for it for me. I was like, I'm going to write this awesome story. And that's, and this is part of where the learning from mistakes happen. I was like, I'm going to write this awesome story. I'm going to be the next J.K. Rowling. Heck, <laughs> when I send this query letter, why don't I tell everyone that I'm going to be the next J.K. Rowling? And why don't I compare my work to hers? Yeah. And then you have the rejection letters. And those are the first signs of people telling you you can't do something. And you, and then you have choice, of course, of whether or not you're going to believe that, or whether you're going to push back and say, "No, I can't do it." Watch. When you when you say that there's the prospect of rejection letters, right? It's I gotta say that's kind of intimidating. I know, and I realize I'm just telling. I'm, I just now said you won't realize you can't do something until someone says you can't, and I just did that. So ignore that, everyone. Uh, but yeah, and the thing is, what people tend to forget is whenever they send out their work, they tend to take it as part of their heart. They're a part of their soul and they rip it out of themselves and yeah. they cram it in that envelope it's and very send personal. it off. Or, right. Or they put it in their fingertips and they type it up and they send it off in that email. But what you have to understand is if someone declines your work and says, no, thank you. It's not for us. It's not about you. It's about that piece of work. It's, they're not saying, we don't want you. They're saying we don't have an interest in this particular manuscript. And it's not saying that they have, will have no interest in any of your manuscripts. It's this particular one doesn't work for them. And that's what you have to remember when you get rejection letters. It's not about you, right? And this is one of those dating kind of things. It's not you. It really is them. It's just either they already have something similar at their, in their house right now. They've already just published something like that. It's not, it really is not what they publish because some people, you know, to a, a picture book publisher, maybe they'll send, you know, erotica and clearly that's not for them. Right. Or it could just be you're, you're writing about a subject that they have no interest in or your character development isn't where they want it to be yet. So you have to understand that when that manuscript or poetry or, or what have you or, or a piece of art gets declined, it's not them saying you can't do this. It's them saying this particular body of work is not for me. And I like how you said that because it's it's for that particular person, publisher, person reviewing it, whatever the case is, right? You went, I'm assuming you went, had more than one rejection probably, but it's, does it get easier once you get a few under your belt? It, 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 it gets different mm. <laughs> because you, the thing is, like, you know, you still have problems, but they're a better quality of problem once you've been published, you know, and once you've been published enough. So it, it doesn't become, oh, this, she doesn't know how to write characters or, you know, it becomes more of uh, this character. I, I just, I, you know, it, I couldn't agree with this character. I just liked how they were formed. And which is a good, it's a, it's a better thing because they're not saying you need to start over from scratch. Mm hmm. But they're saying this one facet of it doesn't agree with me. And, yeah, I mean, I have gotten rejections, too. You know, two rejections. 
in my history. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> plenty of rejection. But, and the funny thing is, it really is all about point of view. For one of my books, um, Front Page Face Off, a publisher, and it went out, I believe, to five publishers. It got, pretty, it got picked up pretty quick. But one of the publishers said, you know, it's really cute, but we don't like it. It's too much like Mean Girls. And then cut to a different publisher who actually is the one that picked it up, which is Simon & Schuster. They said, oh, my God, we love it. It is like Mean Girls. Oh, wow. So, right. But it's, so it's the same comparison, but that's what I'm saying. It, it has to do with them, with how they're looking at it. Now, have you ever had to change something you've worked on based off of feedback? I mean. Oh, absolutely. All the time. So you do. You kind of adjust accordingly. Yes. And I, I mean, even when you're in the synopsis phase, which I'm in right now for uh, my third, for the third Supergirl book, I'm, you know, working on the outline right now and we're trying to get it the best we can. And I keep going back and forth with my editor on that. So there's, and even when you go through, even after the main script is picked up and even if you're going through copy edits, there will still be things that people want you to change. So the entire pro- there's you're always going to be revising. Has there been any? Until it actually gets published. <laughs> has there been anything though that you've kind of taken a stand on? Listen, I, I know you don't appreciate it, but this is something I do want to make sure stays in. Yes, all the again. So you you can do that time. though. Yes, um, there is actually a phrase or not a phrase. I guess just really just a word that we use in publishing called it's step S T E T, and that basically means don't touch it, leave it alone. It's fine the way it is, and sometimes. If they're not sure if something needs to be changed, they'll ask you. They say, uh, do you think we, you would rather have this location instead? And you say, that. No, it's fine where it is. Or if it's something that's an argumentative point where you're going to really have to stand your ground, then you have to be, if you want to say step, you have to be willing to provide some sort of rationale for why you feel it needs to be this way. Wow, it's so complicated. Well, it's, it's just a lot, but that's, I mean, you've done this at least 15 times, which is... Yeah. Uh, a mind-boggling number, because how, how many years have you been writing officially, so to speak? Um, officially, yeah, since 2001. So 17 years? That's a good, that's, that, that's a great career. Yeah, that's a, that's a long time. It's, if you, I, I, if I could say all my books had come out once a year, that's pretty much a book a year, mm-hmm. but a lot of them came out in the same year, so. So, one of the questions from social comes from uh, London Eat Drink Love, and she asks, "Where do you get your inspiration from?" Like for story ideas, um, I think so. I, I I do a lot of what if, huh. and I so I do you know because regular life you know is interesting, but what if you know I so I'm, I'm a big fan of multiverses, you know and alternate universes and stuff like that. So I like ideas of what if this were to happen or what if this happened instead of this? You know, what if you fell uh, through a doorway into a parallel world where it was the high fantasy world, you know, or what if instead of getting to um, go to college when you turned 18, you had to fight for your life. And I like those kind of situations. I like what if. And then also, honestly, just, if you observe the world around you, you can draw so much inspiration from that because there is so much stuff you don't know yet until you see the world around you and you see all this curious stuff going on because everything that we observe, we do it from our own assumptions. And so we assume the reasons for things, but then if you watch it play out, 
you see something slightly different than what you expected. And that can give you an idea and that gives you material and you can see, hey, this is a little bit different. This is a, a what a situation. What if, you know, because it went different than I expected. What if this happened? Huh. And and you've done that. I mean, with your books, you have you talked about front page face off. You've done some fantasy books as well. Yes. You've also done some books which like the confidentially yours series. Yes. Which sounds amazing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, they were so fun to write. I mean, it's great for kids. I mean, just the way the diversity of the characters you have, the topics that you touch upon, is that is a little bit of that pulled from your childhood? Um, not the Greek dancing part. <laughs> I didn't do the Greek dancing, but um I actually, I wrote for my college paper when I was in college, funnily enough. And I relate, yeah, for the Confidential Yours series, I do relate a little bit to each of the characters. Um, the situations that they go through, for instance, there's one um, called Brooke's Bad Luck, where Brooke, uh, and I think everybody has this little thing when, when they're younger about how they, they learn about good luck and bad luck. And some kids, it doesn't take them more than a day to get past that. But some kids, like, take the good luck, bad luck to heart, you know, and, like, they're not walking under any ladders. They're not sitting on any cracks, no black hats. And so I kind of, not so much drawing from my own personal experience for those books, but kind of going off of situations that, that are common for kids. And, and some stuff that's a little just like the kind of like the Greek dancing um, for Tim. Um, some of the situations that aren't as common, but... Is, it would be something that would happen in their lives, not necessarily in mine, but in someone else's life. I mean, it reminded me of, uh, you know, the popular kids book series books like written by Judy Bloom or Diary of the Wimpy Kid kind oh, of yeah, series. Yeah. I mean, it had that yeah. kind of a feel where you could turn that into a children's TV series if you wanted, just with the the broad strokes that you had there. Right. Thanks. Yeah. And I try to make the characters, anytime I write something, I try and make the characters something memorable and I try and give them lines that people will, I, I, I love writing humor and I love making people laugh. So I try and give them a little bit of something that'll make them happy. You go, you have the, that series and then you have the fantasy series. So it's not like you're, you're boxed into one area. And then you, I mean, later on with Supergirl, you go into the comic books uh, of sorts. So it's hard to say you have one genre in essence, it's yeah. like you don't want to be boxed in. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is when I first started writing, I actually told myself I was only ever going to be a fantasy writer. Nothing, oh. nothing but fantasy for me. <laughs> so, but I had sent in an idea for a book and it still has not, it, it hasn't become a book yet. I would love for it to someday become one, um, but it's about demon hunters, demon hunting brothers. It's not supernatural, but it's about demon hunting brothers. And, um, I, I pitched that idea and then it, went, it made the rounds. It didn't get a lot of pickup because the, the, oddly enough for a children's book, demon possession seemed not a good idea. So I could see a little I pushback four, there. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And then how about this other book where it's about, um, you know, other kinds of demons? And then, okay, maybe let's not. It's a step away from that. But my agent at the time, she noticed that, you know, I did humor really well. And she's like, why don't you, have you ever considered stepping away from the fantasy and writing, you know, contemporary humor because your humor voice is really good. I was like, oh, I am fantasy woman. But I decided (laughs) to humor her, pun intended. 
I decided to humor her. And so I, I, you know, put together a, a rough draft for a book and actually had so much fun writing it and writing the joke and, you know, rewriting to get the punchline just right. And I sent that off. And then I got another one published after that and another one after that and another one after that. And so I kind of started getting into that fantasy group. And I do, I had missed, that's until I got to do the Supergirl stuff again. I had missed writing fantasy, but I also really loved writing humor. Yeah, and you incorporate it into that, at least the book I read, uh, it was there. And so I got to wonder, with 15 books and the fact that you had some books published in the same year, how long does it take you to write? It used to take me a year. Now I can get a book out in a month. Yeah, she's been writing for 17 years. I just want to say that again. She's, she's <laughs> been writing for 17 years. So just remember that. She yeah, said do not it, try this at home, kids. <laughs> no. She said initially it took a year, so it's okay. Yeah, but, and you know what's funny is um, when, I, when I did start out and I got time to do revisions, right, for one of the first books I did, they said, can you get the revision to us in six months? And I panicked. Oh, I, I was like, six too. months, that's not enough time. Oh, my God. I'm freaking out. I would, and too. I like, but, you know, it's funny. And then I got to a point where someone would need a revision in three months. And I was like, okay. And then I got to a point where a publisher was like, listen, when I was running the Confidential Your series, I had to turn those books around because they wanted to publish like three in a year. So I had to turn those books around every three months. And it, at first I was like, oh, my God, I can't do this. It can't be done. And then I did it. Right? And then... Now I can, I can do a book in a month. So whenever people, I mean, don't believe, don't set limitations for yourselves because you won't know you can do something either, you know, in, until someone says you can't do it or until you actually push and then you can realize that it's true. You can't, you can't do it. Yeah. It's funny how we, we put limits on ourselves without realizing it. Right. It's like because the ceiling. Other people. Right, because other people say, oh, I can't do this. I need at least a year and a half to get a good book. And it, it really depends. You know, it, it's not necessary for you to take a year and a half. I'm not saying if it's taking a year and a half bad, uh, if that's your time limit, you know, that's, that's how you work, and that's fine. But I'm just saying, if you finish in less than a year and a half, I mean, don't feel bad about it. You, you were in the zone or you had a lot of time to work on it. There could be lots of reasons. But one of the questions um, from Facebook comes from Jamie, my, my sister, oddly enough. But she asks, um, how do you manage to balance, if at all, expectations from the audience, the publishers, and your own creative ideas and expectations? Yeah, it is a very, very, a, a very delicate balance. Um, the pub I mean, the publishers pretty much have their expectation of what they would want to, you know, it's, and it's very, there's a, a broad thing. Thankfully, but when it comes with the fans, then you have to be a little bit because you don't want them to dictate everything you're going to write, mm -hmm. but you do want to take into account if, you know, if there's enough voices that say, oh, don't do this or, oh, this character was horrible or, oh, please, I would love to see if you wouldn't have this happen. Then, you know, you give it some thought and you say, can I make this work? Is it feasible for the story arc that I'm planning? So, for instance, a lot of that stuff happens to Supergirl. We had a lot. I get a lot of oh, please, I want to see this character, or God, never put this character again, you know? <laughs> so, and I just have to, and I, and I work, you know, I work with a publisher, and I work with Warner Brothers on that, on deciding whether or not to include characters. And ultimately, it is up to Warner Brothers what I get to include. 
And so, but there is a lot, I mean, I do take into account what people are saying. Yeah. And I can't imagine it's easy. I mean, social media is a fantastic place, but it can't, does have its place, uh, pros and cons in both ways. Right. Because the thing is, you're never going to please all the people because Mm -hmm. there will be some people that want a certain thing and other people who think it's fine just the way it is. And that's always going to be, I think, for any um, aspect of things, whether you're an artist, you're a writer, a singer, a songwriter, movie director, whatever, you're not going to please everyone. And that's probably a big thing to understand. Absolutely. And so that's why it's important important for you to have your vision of how you want something to go. If their requests fit into your vision or if it will aid your vision, then fantastic. But if if you know, no, this is what I have to do, and what they're saying doesn't work with that, then you kind of just have to say, I'm sorry, this isn't going to fit what I have planned. And, you know, one of the, one of the big motives uh, for me or themes for this year is be yourself. And it sounds yeah. like that's what you're trying to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said before, you can't let other people dictate how you're going to live your life. Because if I do, it, it would be an awful mess. The book would be horrible. There's this skit and from one of my favorite shows called that Mitchell and Webb look. And I am sure you've probably seen it mixed around, but it's this guy and he's sitting down with his publisher and the publisher's trying to tell him what kind of story to write. Mm-hmm. And he's like, maybe you will have a shark and the shark is dating this woman, but not that, but something like that, but maybe, yeah. And he's like, see what, you know, and it, it's, but it, it they go to the back. He, he suggests everything that he wants the guy to write and says, but you don't really have to, but you should, you know? And so the guy ends up coming up with a story that's, just not very good because he's trying to meet all these needs that weren't part of his original vision for the story. Oh, I see. Okay. I, guys, I'll send a link in the show notes because I found it. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. It's really, it's so it is movie. what I thought yeah. it was. I was, I, you described it. And I was like, I think I know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that it is hilarious. I will put a link in the show notes for you guys to see. Um, but very true. Very true. Now, you went from 17 years, going from a, a year, year and a half to writing a book to down to a month. But in those beginning days, before, as you were kind of revising and perfecting your craft, how did you overcome writer's block? Because it's a real thing, guys. Yeah, um, I honestly, and this, it sounds like bad advice, but I would watch TV. I would watch movies. I would get away from writing because a lot of times when you have writer's block, the problem is that the story isn't going where you thought it would. And you've reached, and you've kind of reached this point where you don't know how to move forward because you had this plan for where the story would go and it's not going there anymore. So what you have to do is you have to look back at where you've been and say, where did I lose focus or how come it's not going like I wanted it to. And a lot of times it's because you're hung up on a particular scene or a solution. And so kind of getting your mind away from that and watching and I, I do it for educational purposes, but also for fun. But watching TV and movies and seeing how they work through plot problems and plot twists and character development, and that kind of can can help feed your work. And also um, for writer's block, when I get stuck, I I skip around where I'm writing because you know, like I said, a lot of times when you get stuck, it's because you're not sure you you lost track someplace and the story's not going where you thought it would. So I might skip to the end of the story and write the end. And then if I know how it ends, I can work backwards from that because then I know, okay, so it ended like this, but how would I get to this point? Because in order for this to happen, 
this would have to happen. Okay. So I'm able to write a little bit further back into the book. Okay. So this had to happen, but how did this happen? One of these two things would have to happen. And so I can kind of write in reverse because you don't have to always write linearly. If that's, if it's not coming to you like that, you can skip, you can put parentheses and say something exciting happens here and then go to the next chapter and do some work. Oh, wow. Okay. So you don't, you know, it, it just, I have slight OCD tendencies for me. It's like, you gotta go one, two, three, but you're saying you can go one, two, three, 10, seven, eight, nine, or something like that. Yeah. Because sometimes all your mind, your mind is like, I want to write this fight scene. I want to write this fight scene, but you're like still in a very calm chapter where people are talking about feelings and things. Knowing that. And so you can put that aside, write the fight scene. And then you're able to kind of foreshadow that fight scene by writing stuff earlier because you already know how the fight scene is going to go. So you know what tools your characters are going to need for the fight scene because you wrote the fight scene. Makes sense. Oh, and you can always have someone run through it and act it out. Exactly. Do you ever get those Funko figures of the Supergirl characters and just have them also? <laughs> I, I should do that. No, but for, <laughs> for book one... Um, for the big end scene, for the big end fight scene, I actually had, um, I went to the Lego store with my husband and we bought little, um, Lego bricks. Fun. Those little tiny. Yeah. yeah. And so we got the little tiny flat pieces and we got two different colors to represent, uh, the good guys and the bad guys. And then I got enough little Lego bricks also to make, um, the building that the fight was going to go down in. Okay. So, so that, and then that's I genius. Yeah. I gotta say, cause- hey. Well, because I was wondering how you kept track of everything because that, again, guys, read the book, but right. I couldn't, there were so many players involved, but it made sense. I was like, what the, and then some, not trying to spoil it, but there are some moments where things get reset. And so I was like, wait, oh no, that makes sense still. Okay. And I'm picturing it in right. my head as this is playing out. So you recreated it essentially. Exactly, because you're right. There were at the in the final battle, there are a lot of characters involved, and I and I had to make sure because you can't have some characters fighting and one character's kind of hopping from foot to foot in the background, waiting to go in. Right, right? everybody Tag has me to in. Be doing. Tag right. me in. Everybody has to be doing something. So as I'm moving the pieces around on the little Lego, you know, flat board. I'm kind of making note to myself of, okay, this person hasn't said anything recently. I need to give them a line or an action, something to do. And there was a lot of humor at that, the fight scene too, that you incorporated, which I appreciated. Um, (laughs) But I feel like I just learned that was great. Thanks. Sure. No problem. A little peek behind the magic. (laughs) And also I am not sponsored by Lego. That was just, that was for free, free advertising for them. Yeah, you guys could use your own thing if you needed to. Yeah, Duplo. Duplo will work too. Duplo blocks. There you go. So um, so I have a fun question um, from Hello. Uh, who was it from? Let me see. It's from Hello, It's Gina. She asks, what mashup literary characters would you like to see together? So examples are Harry Potter and Nancy Drew and Bilbo Baggins. Or, you know, if you could do oh, a mashup, gosh. who would you add? That is a good question. Um, I would love to put, because I, I grew up with Mary Poppins. So oh, I would love to she's put a Mary Poppins Spoonful with, of sugar. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of who she, the, um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's V.E. Schwab 
wrote the books, and I can't for the life of me remember. Um, it's a series about this this uh, this guy who's been he's been traveling between different versions of London. There's a, like a, and I know people will know this, and I, I'm sorry I've forgotten. It's like a, a Conjuring of Light or something the same, but it's a series. It's a really good series. I recommend. Um, but yes, the main character from those books would be good because he has this cloak that if you turn it when he turns the cloak, it you know he can access different different versions of London, the good London, the bad London, the shady London. So then, because Mary Poppins is British too, so they get along really, they get along differently, spotulating, whatever. Interesting. I, I would not have put those characters together. Have you read the the, the Schwab book? It's the Conjuring of Light, Shades of Magic, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And I can't, I can't remember who, um, but a long time ago I read it. it it's a good mashup, but I never yeah, would have put that together. Be, I think they're going to be turning it into a movie as well. Of course they are. I need someone to redo um, the Black Cauldron. Oh, that was uh, Lloyd Alexander. Yeah, the cartoon wasn't so great. No, it wasn't. <laughs> That's why I need someone to redo it. It was the Chronicles of Prydain, yeah. which was my favorite series versus Chronicles of Narnia. Slightly different, very different. Guys, read those books. Those yeah. are good. Um, yeah. So that that's the movie I would love to have made. Maybe one day. Right. Who knows? Well, Joe, Joe, I don't want to take too much of your time. I know you have a lot to write. So one last question. What is one piece of advice you would give to someone today who's chasing their dream? Um, I would say, like I said before, don't set limitations for yourself. Because when I started out writing, I said, no, I only write fantasy. And then I started writing humor books. And then someone noticed me for my humor books and I got asked to do other projects. And then... A friend of mine noticed me for doing those other projects and asked me to do the tutorial book. So don't set limitations for yourself and don't believe that you are limited because you, you're, you're limitless. You're unlimited. You can do whatever you want. That was great advice, guys. Take it to heart. Joe, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to talk to us and share your story. Absolutely. And thank you for having me on the show. And thank you for listening, guys. And guys, that was Joe Whittemore. You guys can learn more about Joe, the books she's written, and all the things we talked about and the links over on the show notes page at chasingdreamshq.com slash episode 125. That's episode 125. And remember to keep in mind what Joe said. Don't put limits upon yourself, okay? This year's theme for me is to be you. That's what I'm going to do. I hope you'll do that as well. Don't let that glass ceiling hold you down, okay? Break through it and be unapologetically you. Before I sign off, I got to thank once again our patrons of Patreon. Thank you so much for your donations. Everything that you're giving is supporting the show, the team behind the scenes, as well as our catch-up show, which you can find more and learn more about called Where Are They Now? on the Patreon page, and that is at chasingdreamshq.com slash Patreon. Again, chasingdreamshq.com slash Patreon. If you want to learn more about how you can support the show, check that out. Until next time, Dream Chasers, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. 
Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.